You're listening to Shade, the podcast where I chat to a wide variety of creatives across disciplines, photographers, painters, writers, filmmakers, and even policymakers working within the media and beyond, who have challenged the concepts of race and identity within their work. I'm Lou Mensah, writer and photographer, and I've always wondered why people create the work that they do. This week, I chat with Nadia Craddock. Nadia has a first-class degree in psychology from the University of Bath and a master's in human development and psychology from Harvard. She's a PhD candidate at the Centre for Appearance Research, exploring whether big business can foster positive body image. She has contributed to various publications, including Geldem, has recently chaired a live public debate with Professor Bryn Austin and Jamelia Jamil for Harvard's Chan Public Health Department. And today we talk about her collaborative research with Dr. Aisha Phoenix on colorism. So Aisha and I got together last November and I and we got together really organically so I had just been over in the states I did a presentation at Harvard School of Public Health and Colorism and then had seen some work that Aisha had done she'd like published some stuff in the conversation which is like an academic public communication type um, platform and I just reached out to her and said you know this is a really important topic and I just don't see much work being done in the UK and let's have a conversation mm-hmm. and that's what happened so that's how how it got together so we had, we had never met before um I got off the plane from Boston and we met in a coffee shop and had a incredible conversation she's she's phenomenal um, one of the smartest people I've, I've met and spoken to mm-hmm. and we just were like we need to do something together and this is a really important conversation and and, and topic and I think it's just not fully understood and why don't we do something? So what we have come up with is a qualitative study, so interview studies, and just really speaking to people about their experiences, so people of colour, about their experiences of their skin shade and what that means to them, how it they feel it has shaped their experiences and their sense of self and where they fit in the world. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've done... 30-odd interviews and with people from very different backgrounds, so different ethnicities. We didn't want to kind of like limit it. Sometimes there's value in kind of like kind of really like narrowing in and speaking mm-hmm. to people um, from like one demographic group, but we kind of made it really wide. We actually started, um, actually now, now I'm thinking about it, we actually started thinking about, oh, we'll just speak to people who are like between 18 and 35. We thought, oh, well, let's narrow it down by age and just and, and do it that way. But then we had all these people come come to us and be like, oh, but we want to talk about it, and uh, that were, who are older, and we we're like, actually, what? Like, it kind of feels a bit arbitrary to to cut it off, mm-hmm. especially as it's such an exploratory project, and we're not bound by funders or, or anything. So we we're like, let's let's just kind of open it up to whoever wants to come forward and speak to us. So, so that so that's it. So we we've spoken to to thirty odd people from very different backgrounds, different ages, um. And and really different experiences as well, really different experiences of their, their skin shade because we've got people who it's been a really big part of their life and and they've done a lot of thinking about how it shaped their experiences and some people who um, are kind of reflecting and processing 
it felt like they were processing it as we were talking about it and kind of saying that we've I've not really had this conversation before mm. um, which was really I mean it felt it it felt very powerful in that way and poignant in that way Mm, well, that was especially poignant for me because I was one of your interviewees and I, it felt like you kind of opened the floodgates. So your questions were so interesting. I was definitely one of those um, that wasn't aware of all of these um, thoughts and uh, feelings that I had since childhood mm. that obviously I hadn't processed. And it's only when someone's sitting down and asking you direct questions that, yeah, the floodgates did open. And I found it such um an interesting process and I reflected on it for quite some time afterwards so I think the results are going to be just really insightful from from the wealth of people that you spoke to. Every interview we did was insightful to us and and felt very powerful and very meaningful and and I feel like I have gained so much from doing that project from having these conversations uh, with different people and and I feel like I've learned about myself kind of thinking about it and having those conversations with, with different individuals as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's very exciting. So when we're talking about colorism, what are we talking about here? Um, are we talking about the established discrimination against um, darker skin or the experiences that that individuals will have according to their the shade of their skin? Or does it also include the countercurrents? So socially, mm-hmm. what's going on? Um, for example, Meghan Markle, you know, people say, well, she's not really black and therefore doesn't represent black people. But at the same time, people will be very excited and think it's a very powerful statement that she exists and in such a, um, a white hierarchical yeah. uh, structure as, as the royal family. So, yeah, I'm just interested to know your thoughts on that yeah and I think that's a really good and an interesting question because I think I think there there is an aspect to which people have different interpretations of what the word colorism means and to give a bit of context yeah. the term colorism was coined or thought to be coined by the author and activist Alice Walker so okay. uh, the author who wrote the color purple who I think the book many people will be familiar with mm-hmm. and so in in a in a different book called In Search of Other Mother's Gardens, she, she termed this uh, uses this expression colorism um, in the 80s and defines colorism in the in this book as the prejudicial or preferential treatment of same race people based solely on their color. So, yeah. but then I think it's it's really important to kind of think about the history and the context of colorism because colorism obviously dates back long before the 1980s. It's often kind of conflated with racism and it's, and there's a definite relationship between racism and colorism, but they are distinct in a way. And I think the the important thing about colorism is how it plays out both within and between racial groups. So for an example of that, like an Asian person can, can experience colorism from other from fellow Asians but also from from white people from black people from from Hispanic people that it can it can work in, in all of those ways so that's kind of how it's distinct um, and some people will kind of define colorism purely based on skin color so the stratification of skin shade but others will also include within that definition of colorism phenotype so um, hair facial features Mm-hmm. Um, whereby more ethnic features are viewed more negatively. So I think within that 
context, I think typically how colorism is understood is where you have preferential treatment for people with lighter colored skin um, mm -hmm. and discriminatory treatment for those with darker color skin. And I think that's where the, the history of of colorism really comes in, in terms of when we're looking at the, the legacy of colonialism and slavery, that's kind of how it's played out in different countries around the world. But I, I do take your point in terms of can it work the other way and, and, and people's experiences with lighter colour skin maybe not feeling or not being treated by their own community as, as accepted as being fully black. But I think what's really interesting for me when, when you even wrote that question, when you kind of said the question, I'm thinking about it, is I hear and, and see that within the, the black community. I wonder if the same is true within other communities of colour within the Asian community, for example, would a lighter skin Asian be seen as not fully Asian? I, I don't know. I know I haven't heard that as much, and I'm not saying that that's not necessarily the case. Um, I think just when we talk about it, it, it kind of works in that way. And then, and then I guess when we're thinking and looking at some of the research in terms of colorism, we do see a really clear pattern in the skin shade bias against those with darker skins, and it really plays out across so many domains whereby it people with lighter people of color with lighter color skin do receive advantages in this like broader ecosystem in, in which we live and much of this research has come from the US um but there are examples of and and it's come from the US and and really seems to be focused from from my knowledge at least to be really focused on the african american community in in the US if you're kind of comparing African-American like light-skinned people and dark-skinned people within that community how what where the differences are and there are differences in education in employment in the judicial system so within the criminal justice system so, so those with darker skin are having like longer sentences are more likely to be arrested that kind of thing in, in terms of how it how it plays out there. Mm. A, a, a classic colorism scenario in social life within the black community um, is where for example some uh, black men may be seen to partner with lighter skinned women um, mm -hmm. symbolizing status I, I'm sure those are unconscious there's unconscious things at play there or that there not might not be any of these things at play but it's definitely something that is discussed within um, the community and sometimes that can create division. But equally, it's not uncommon for people from black and white mixed backgrounds, such as myself, to, to identify as black. So against the backdrop of your research, how do you see this uh, ambiguity and its effects on our collective sense of community and coming together? Yeah, I think this is, again, such a good question and it's a really complex one too. I don't think it's, it's clear cut and there's kind of, as you're saying, like we all have our own personal experiences and our own feelings around this. So it becomes very emotive in that way. And so it's something that Aisha and I want to be really careful to unpick mm. in, a, in a sensitive way when we're, when we're analysing our, our data from, from the interviews. I guess what I would, and I, I think what, something just... Uh, as a point of interest in terms of with the interviews we were almost surprised how many mixed race people came forward wanting to share their experiences and and that felt again quite salient because it 
it felt like people it, like make it maybe a voice that hasn't been heard a, as much maybe in that way for in terms in in relation to how people experience their skin shades so I think that that really comes out and I think what you're saying in terms of how um black men are with or maybe have a seem to have a preference for light-skinned women I think we we see that in in popular culture right like we see that um you know with with celebrities we see that in in music and even in the lyrics it comes through there seems to be that that preference and and really understanding that I think is really important there there does seem to be something around um lighter skinned black women being more desirable in in some way and we could have a big conversation about how um skin shade really ties into beauty ideals which then ties into a much bigger picture it's not just a just a one thing it kind of really expands out and I I think we would we might might have mentioned it when we have spoken previously about there was that Guardian skin what's it Guardian Shades of Black series um and there's some really interesting pieces within that and it's that again is talking about African Americans but that idea of how women of darker skin how that plays out within relationships within dating mm. in the context of this idea that black men seem to prefer lighter skinned women and and obviously that doesn't speak to to every every black man of of course it's important that we say that of course that is not the case um but what is the case is that um it's it's a point of discussion and um yeah that's just what i find um interesting is that it does seem to be a repeated um discussion point within the community and i just it's just it, um, i just don't really have any clear it's so hard to unpick and have to have clear it'd be really interesting to interview a group of men i know there was um there's a talk there's a talk show and now i can't remember the word of it uh, the name of it you've probably seen it and they 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 talk about lots of issues um within the black community and one of the episodes was on colorism and the the group of people chatting were 50% male and 50% female and this issue and question did come up um and the men did find it difficult that they've been portrayed in that way and um, they were saying it doesn't reflect their experience and that's not their truth um so maybe it's another um another old um trope that's rolled out that isn't particularly um prevalent um today but i don't know it's just very interesting so i'll be really interested when your research comes out to see to see what comes from from that yeah and i I do think that's that's a really important point that it's it we we don't and i think that's where why the research is important because we don't know how this is and obviously with the with a qualitative study it's it's still not necessarily going to be generalizable to the whole population I mean, it's, it's so hard isn't it you can't yeah. it, but this is like the experience of the of a few out of date ideals are quite often still rolled out when they don't um really reflect what's going on in society so we just i think that it's just very difficult to know but we do know that um objectification uh, is um, an issue when it comes to skin colour. Do you see this as a problem for men as well? So how do you see gender issues playing into colourism? So I think gender absolutely ties into 
to colorism and i think that's again kind of going back to that that triple burden on on dark skinned women because it, with the sexism the racism and the colorism mm-hmm. because i i think within society there is that idea that or within like global beauty standards that lighter is is seen as more attractive and more feminine also like if we think about um serena williams for example who mm-hmm. always gets spoken about as being masculine and and in, in a very derogatory way often and and part of that might be her body type like she's she's tall and big and strong right mm-hmm. but then also she's dark-skinned and how much of that uh masculinity idea is is associated with that and mm-hmm. i i think that that's where i really see gender and and colorism really playing out and i think with beauty standards in particular beauty always plays out more for at present at least for for women right and that that transcends lots of different markers of beauty so the the pursuit for thinness and and youth youthfulness like that all plays out for women more so than 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 for men it's only when you start talking about it more deeply you realize how convoluted and um and and um just difficult it all is to unpick you're talking i'm talking i'm still thinking of like other things and 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 ways this all ties together and um just a quick point that i thought of but i thought you you might find interesting is is, Mm -hmm. i can't remember who wrote it but you're saying about um with lighter skin black women and or lighter skin people in general and the, the kind of sense of of belonging within the community and and i think what's really interesting and then but then lighter skin people maybe have more access to to being included and it might have even been my colleague aisha actually who might have uh, made made this observation mm-hmm. but with barack obama obviously being a, a lighter skinned president but then the the role of michelle being a dark-skinned woman made there's the the idea that that kind of added legitimacy of being like part of the black community so therefore he's perceived as being more black because he has not only a black wife but a relatively dark-skinned black wife so there's Um, almost the authenticity uh, aspect there which I think is really interesting and and I I can't claim to fully understand stand all the nuance around it but but I think it's that it's like an interesting point but anyway. it, yeah it's definitely interesting and also I, I I'm reading around the subject I read that the um one of the candidates Kamala Harris who is also <laughs> mixed race she's not perceived as a black candidate in the same way that Obama would have been and that's not um, only because of um, who who she partners with but it's also her background and um, you know when um, when she was working within the justice system that most of the bills that she supported were very um, detrimental to the black community especially the uh, black men so she is having a harder time and I tell you what she's really going for it I mean she's trying she's really trying to get garner support from the black community but it's just not coming as much as it did with uh, Obama and it's just such an interesting thing to observe. Uh, obviously colorism um, and race they have um, an impact on 
our mental health as individuals and collectively as a, a community as well. And I'm just interested to hear what you've understood or learned about the interplay between colorism and mental health in your research or anything that you've come across. Yeah, sure, sure. And I think this is a really important uh, part of this conversation because I think um, it's well established within public health social science research that experiences of prejudice, discrimination, stigma in any way, shape or form have a negative or can have negative repercussions on, on one's mental health, right? Like it, uh, anything from stress to to actual, and then it can even affect your physical health in that way because it's like if, if it leads to high stress, then the physical repercussions of like inflammation and and mm. blood pressure type things and again I'm not a, a physician but it, but there's those links have been established and made mm. in general terms and this could be any kind any kind of stigma whether it's in association to to race to to weight mm. uh, to um, being part of the LGBTQ community for example there's there's lots of work that's really wide-ranging to say that these kind of experiences have um, serious repercussions on on people's mental health and it doesn't have to be like acts of physical violence it microaggressions can build up and build up and and have um have an impact so it's there's lots of individual variation on in terms of how it will affect an individual but um those established that that's kind of been well established um mm-hmm. so then it's it stands therefore that this can play out within colorism too right like so um and kind of mentioned earlier some of the the work that has seen how colorism plays out in the real world with pre- prejudice discrimination um and and if we then think about how it ties up to to beauty then then what's the the repercussions for mental health particularly for women um of color who have got dark dark uh, skin shade does that have a knock-on effect on their self-esteem their self-worth um and i think what's also really relevant to this conversation is is the skin lightening industry which we've not touched on yet Mm. Um, which is a booming industry on a on a global stage um projected to be worth i think you know 32 billion by 2024 it's 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 growing it's not something that's going away and i think um and then we have to look at what are the health repercussions on on using skin lightening creams and they're they all can be really toxic products right like they can contain mercury bleach hydroquinine um which can lead to skin damage um and discoloration, skin cancer can lead to kidney damage. They're, they're really toxic, hazardous products, right? And I think that even if you're not using some of the more potent products, just the mentality of, of using, pro- like wanting to change who you are um, and not feeling satisfied with how you look has huge repercussions, again, on your mental health, physical health, um, social health. You know, it, it, I think because I'm a body image researcher, we talk about this all the time in terms of just body image, in terms of just how you think and feel about the way you look, mm. that the the knock-on effects on depression, anxiety, um, self-worth, self-esteem, but then how people then 
relate to each other, their confidence and um, wanting to spend time with other people and, and how it affects your intimate relationships, that kind of thing. So I think with colorism, there's a lot more work to be done. And I think it's it's starting to come through. I think more attention is being paid to it now. But I think um, anything to do with uh, feeling less than has is going to have uh, a, a negative effect on someone's uh, well-being. And then especially when that feeling of less than is coupled with like real world experiences of prejudice, discrimination, stigma. And then I think stigma is an interesting con- concept because it can also be internalised. Mm. It's almost the anticipation of stigma sometimes can can be enough to have that negative outcome. So I think that's kind of uh, important to think about and and mention. Mm. Perhaps enough attention is not paid to that. It's not only the direct experiences that we may have. The anticipation, that's such an important point that I haven't heard anybody else actually talk about before. Um, and that's actually part of my daily life. But I think it's but it's it's kind of having these conversations and it's because you immediately understood it. Right. And and the expression you said, like you were saying, like you're carrying that around with you. And I think that's something that's that's a common experience for, for many people that you you are you are carrying something. It's something that you have to kind of consider and think about. And, and it plays out for people in different ways. But I think that and it's like the paranoia of like what might happen. Yes, it yeah, is. Or are they doing are they staring because of this or are they just people who stare I don't know so yeah or um, is there something wrong with me that I'm thinking this well yeah it's, exactly and then that's how it can it can spiral and escalate and really then have an impact on on how you on how you feel so I think it's uh kind of understanding that and learning how to to navigate that and then how do we then undo do some of this at a societal level these conversations are so healing um so thank you so much for all the work that you and dr phoenix are doing um and also the work you're doing on body image as well i mean that's just brilliant i just feel so inspired every time i tap on your instagram and see your stories and you're having conversation after conversation and i just think this is brilliant you know my daughter is going to grow up being able to see all of this online and that wasn't available like to my generation when we were younger you know so what you're it's fantastic and it's so positive for us all so thank you so much well well thank you but I, w- I also would would have to say that there are so many people doing the same thing and I do think that the mm. same thing in terms of having different conversations and, and Aisha and I are doing it in an academic space but but there are you know you've got like Galdem you've got like there's all of these other people who are having these conversations that are, that are out there that you know as you say we uh, weren't around however many years ago so I think I think that there is hope and optimism and and people do have the opportunity to have these conversations and and get it out there and and I think you can learn so much from different people's experiences and 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 not feel alone with it as well I think you you know if nothing else it's like the, the sense of like oh I'm not alone in in how I feel about this situation.